Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. Now, I've been praying about um, the ministry that has been started called Kathleen Witten Ministries, and part of that ministry is this teaching on Tuesday nights at Josephine Street Theater, which is totally word of mouth, and um, we have yet to have even sent out a general information letter, and um, just praying about that and praying about being a wise steward of um, finances that have been so graciously given and just looking at how do we reach more people and, and just all the everyday things of running a ministry and, and talking to people and making decisions and setting up computers and, and data files and um, tax things and answering questions and just all the things that have been coming at me all at once that I've never done in my life and I'm excited to do, but I tend to take a mailing list that I'm supposed to give and, and instead of doing what I'm supposed to do, which is, you know, complete the mailing list, I tend to stop and pray for each person on the mailing list, which then makes my time be that I haven't finished the mailing list. And so just feeling overwhelmed with a desire to help people and yet feeling restricted in, God, how do I pay for all this? How do I reach more people? How do I get the word out? your word out of the box that it's been in? How do we reach the hearts of people with honesty and sincerity and non-scripted, just straight from the heart? You know, God, I'm willing to stand up here and just lay my life out, but how? And I started to feel stress from that and anxiety from that. You know, you can have the right heart position, meaning you can have the right dream in your heart, you can have the right motivation, and still have a lot of anxiety trying to make that thing that God has put in you happen. And it's not just me, it's not just about me, there are a whole lot of people behind this dream to get the word out in whatever capacity not under a ministry, not under a particular group even, but because once you have tasted the goodness of God and the freedom in His Word, and once you have experienced the love of the Father and seen the truth and know that you're on your way to heaven, but that He gives you this abundant life on this earth, how can you help yourself, but share it. You can't help but want to share it. And so I just got on my knees and I was just full of of anxiety and I don't think I really realized it at the time, but I was. And I just said, God, I just don't know what to do. I don't even know what the first step is. There's so much to do. And I remember so clearly, this was on October 20th, just a few days ago, I heard the Lord say inside my heart, Kathleen, I have anointed you to help people. And I will appoint people to help you. It's like powerful, 
calming words to me. It's like God saying, don't worry about what is not your responsibility. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight because God's heart, I really believe God's heart is this. So simple. This is God's heart. All that matters is people. That's God's heart. All that matters is people. That's it. It's people. All that matters is people. And as I started to look at that and study that, I wrote down, it's not power. It's not power that really matters. Not according to God. See, because God is all-powerful. He is more powerful than the most powerful person in the world that has ever been or that ever will be. No disrespect to Donald Trump. But I don't think anyone's going to even know his name in 200 years. Maybe not even in 100 years. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is all-powerful. But he's not saying that we should care about power. God cares about people. He says it's not about popularity. It's not about popularity. It's not about who's famous or who's important. And thirdly, it's not about position. It's about people. God's heart is about people. God cares about people. And God wants his people to care about people. Not to care about power and not to care about popularity and not to care about position. You know, when I think about power, I think of the word influence because that is a synonym for power. It's the influence that someone has. It's not just physical strength. It's strength to make things happen. And so there's a saying that says, well, money is powerful. And yes, there is a truth to that. But God still says people are more important than money. And what God really wants is for us to use our money to help people, not to use people to get money. And so I think it's interesting how sometimes you'll hear different people and they seem to go from one total extreme to the other and that is that God doesn't care about money. And that's not true. He just cares that we don't put money above people, that we literally use the things that he has put into our possessions to help people and not use people to get more money and to get more power. The, the, the thing that I thought of too with um, God caring more about people than anything else is sometimes we give so much um, recognition and creed and importance to people that we feel are powerful or influential. And that is not the heart of God. That's not the heart of God at all. I took my daughter's um, pumpkin, all these P words, P 
people, power, popularity, and pumpkins. <laughs> oh, it's not on purpose. Oh, anyway. Um, I took my daughter's pumpkin to uh, elementary school today because they had a pumpkin contest at school, and, and she entered, and um, Ann Bagnall, just amazing friend, and um, said, you know, I'll help Maddie, and I think she's so creative. We'll make this pumpkin. So they took this big pumpkin, and I think this pumpkin weighs more than my three-year-old son. And so this huge pumpkin that I think weighs about 30 pounds, but anyway, they spray-painted it, and they made Cinderella's pumpkin coach out of the pumpkin with some little horses onto the pumpkin. It is so darling. And so Lacey had to be downtown early this morning, and Storm had to be at my brother-in-law's, who's a dentist, to get a cavity filled. So my three-year-old named Storm, is anyone following me? Okay. Because women, we don't care. I mean, we're, we're, y'all are all with me. Men, just hang on. So I took my three-year-old um, with me to the elementary school, although he hadn't had any food or water because he was going to be sedated in order to have a cavity filled because my brother-in-law knows my three-year-old. <laughs> So we used a little sedation. But um, I got this pumpkin in the school and kind of knocked off one of the wheels. And what ended up having to happen is that later on in the day, I had to go back and glue gun the wheel back onto this pumpkin. So I checked in on Maddie at lunch. And the memories just flooded back. Because you go in the lunchroom... And first of all, the smell, you know. I was like, wow, elementary school, you know. Is this enchilada day? Uh, you know, what kind of meat is this? I, but also, do you remember the popular table? You see, God doesn't care about popularity. And The popular table just did something to me today. It started this whole talk tonight because it's not bad to be popular, but that's not what God cares about. He cares about people. And it's so easy for us to subconsciously, without even knowing it, pay a little bit more attention to someone who is a little bit more likable, a little bit more charismatic in their personality, a little bit more influential. I waitressed for a while, and, you know, it was a great joy to be able to serve people that I knew would tip well and then to serve people that I knew could not tip well. And when I first started waitressing, I actually had those people confused. I thought that the people with really fancy things that drove up in really fancy cars would be the big tippers. And I served them well, and thankfully I also served people that I knew were not of that stature financially. Interestingly enough, it was usually the hardworking people that tipped better anyway. But see, God says no matter who tips better, no matter what they look like, no matter if you like them better, no matter what they're wearing, no matter how influential they are, no matter what power they seem to have, I care about people. 
I'm not about the popular table. I'm about the table that's over by the trash cans that has one kid sitting there with his head hung low, looking at his watch thinking, can't wait for this lunch to be over. I don't want to sit by myself anymore. Hope nobody notices me. That's what God cares about. I hope this story comes out right. Sometimes I think that when we speak, and especially to different groups, or if we know that a talk is going to go further than a certain group, we tend to try to make all of our stories so politically correct that they lose the honesty to them. And this is something I've never told, and it's not some earth-shattering thing, but God reminded me of it tonight. When I was a little girl, one of the persons that was very important to me in my life was a black woman named Irene, and she helped raise me from a tiny baby. She actually used to babysit my mother until I was about 10 or 11 years old. And she was just everything to me. And I loved Irene, and I still do. But I remember going through my teenage phase where you had to be cool. And everything had to be sort of cool. And everything was about appearance and position and popularity. Sad thing is, a lot of people have never left that stage. Even sadder is that a lot of them are, are Christians. And I remember going to her house one day. I think my mom was taking her something. And I was just embarrassed. Of course, at that age, you're embarrassed of everything anyway. But see, sometimes it takes the heart of someone that knows you and loves you, like the Holy Spirit, to nail you and say, I love you too much to let you get away with the way that you're thinking that you don't even realize. And I walked up to her and I was just kind of embarrassed and didn't really want to be there and I just was embarrassed. And she gave me a big, big, big diary hug and I kind of squeezed away from her. And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, KK, are you ashamed of me? And I mean, right then, I knew in my heart, I wasn't ashamed of her. I was ashamed of me. See, God cares about people. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, you receive this heart of God in you. This heart of God in you that wants to come out in all of your actions, even if you're a young teenager like I was. And I knew that part of my misery was that I was actually putting power and popularity and position in front of people. And I can still feel myself miserable sometimes when I do that today. I don't have a problem with 
social status. But I can put my schedule in front of people. I can put what I'm doing at that time and where I'm going in front of people. And the easiest people to put it in front of are the very young and the very old. They're just not as powerful. They're just not as important. They're just not as influential in the eyes of the world. But in the eyes of God, they're everything. And I just feel like God's heart is for us to start living like God's heart. What's important in the eyes of God are people. Not position. You know, there's a scripture in the, in the Word, and I found, I, it took so long for me to find it. I wish I could tell you I knew exactly where it was, but have you ever just really wanted to find something in the Bible and you just cannot find it no matter what? I think I looked up every word I could in connection with this until I finally found it. But I wanted to read it to you because I knew what it said, but I didn't know where it was. And I think that sometimes we forget what the heart of God is. God does not show favoritism because God isn't interested in position. God is interested in people. James 2, 1 through 9 says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into a meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, You stand there. Or, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin. Did you know favoritism is a sin? I didn't. I just wanted to find the scripture about how you're not supposed to give preference to somebody who comes into a meeting because of what they're wearing. I didn't know that the New Testament in the book of James says that favoritism is a sin. Why? Because it's not the heart of God. See, I hope someday to have a shack next to Dyrene's mansion. She has loved me unconditionally since I was a tiny, tiny little girl and still does. And it takes the love of someone to say, are you ashamed of me? Sometimes it's even the love of Jesus that has to say to us, are you ashamed of me? Because sometimes when we don't love someone else in his name, maybe it's shame. And that is not the heart of God for us to ever show favoritism and not love somebody in his name. God is not about position. He doesn't want us to show favoritism. And he never wants us to sacrifice people to gain position. There's a really great scripture that says the same thing. 
God never wants us to sacrifice people to gain position. Remember when I was in college, there was a big sorority fraternity dance that came up, and it was sort of like one of those once-a-year big deals that you look back and you think, what were we thinking? Why did we buy sweatshirts to that? Who cares? But while it's happening, you're just in this vortex of excitement, and you know it's so important and hype, and it was so important to who you went with to this. And this one boy asked me, and um, I knew. I mean, I knew. See, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you know people are more important than position. And he was not someone that I would have fallen in love with or dated, but I said yes, because he was a nice boy. And it wasn't an hour later that a really, really cute boy asked me to go. But the Holy Spirit was like, don't you say yes. Don't you renege on your word. See, because people are more important than position. And this scripture says exactly that. Psalm 15:4 says, God honors the one who sweareth to his own hurt and yet changeth not. God honors the one who sweareth to his own hurt and yet changeth not. In other words, God honors the person who doesn't back on off on what they committed to do or on their word, even if it hurts them. He honors that. And it's the same with people. You know, sometimes, have you ever been at a party where you're talking to somebody and they're not listening to you, they're looking over their shoulder to see if there's maybe someone a lot more important than you that they need to talk to, and the whole time you're talking to them, they're really not looking at you, but they're nodding and saying stuff like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and they're looking for people that are a lot more important than you are, and so you start to want to say things like, yeah, well, I just bought a grizzly bear, and not only that, I just had two uh, lizards for dinner, and just to see if they're paying any attention. And that is not the heart of God, and that feels horrible. But do I do it to anyone else? Do you? See, what I hope is that the Holy Spirit so stirs us up tonight that tomorrow we go to work, or we go to school, or we go to the party with the heart of God. We go there with that God cares about people attitude. Because you know what's so amazing about that? Is that when we take care of God's people, He will take care of us. We don't have to worry about the power anymore or the money. When we take care of God's people and care about God's people, we don't have to worry about positions anymore because God says that he promotes the humble and the humble says hey you know what we're all equal the humble say I have time to tie that little boy's shoe I have time to go and ask that little boy at the lunchroom next to the trash cans how he's doing and what he's drawing and what his favorite comic strip is I have time I'm not that important 
neither is my schedule. Because God cares about people. I thought about even this Thanksgiving, you know. I think, gosh, how are we at Thanksgiving again? We just had Thanksgiving. But we are. And time seems to be speeding up. And in that, and I know so many of you feel the same way, but it's like, there's so much to do, God. I've got this life and... You know, every day is a blessing, but I don't know exactly how many more days I have on this earth, and I've got so much to do. What do I do? And I feel like the heart of God tonight is saying to you, without any reservation, you love people. Love people. Take the time to love people. That is seeking the kingdom of God. And Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His ways of doing and being right is what that means. And all these other things that you want, that you're striving for, that seem so important, that you even need, will be added unto you. God cares about people. This is a little bit sobering, but I was reminded about the scripture in Luke 6.19 that talks about a man named Lazarus. And in talking about God not caring about position, but caring about people, I just want to say too, don't ignore whoever God may put at your gate. You're probably thinking, what does that mean? God put at my gate? But I think you'll understand if I read this scripture. Don't ignore the people or the person that God may put at your gate. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side and the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in this lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and tell him to warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced 
even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus taught that. So there's a man at the gate of another man. And the man at the gate of the other man is repulsive. See, sometimes we hear a message like this and it's like, love people, yes! I'm excited about tomorrow because I'm going to go to work and I don't care who's wealthy and who's not and I don't care. I understand that's the heart of God and I am going to love people the same. But what about the person at your gate? Meaning the person that God's just kind of put in your life repetitively that's repulsive, that's obnoxious, that's hard to love, it's hard to look at. What's the heart of God? Love people. And so I just want to challenge you tonight, just as the Holy Spirit's been challenging me. Kathleen, who is at your gate? I just want to challenge you tonight, too. Who's at your gate? Because the heart of God says, love the unlovable. It's easy to love the lovable. The Word says that Even people that don't believe in God love those who love them. How easy. It's easy to love the beautiful people, the easy to get along with people. What about the unlovable? Loving the unlovable is the heart of God. Who matters? People. All people. That's the only thing that matters. I have a friend whose husband is a pastor in another city. And his favorite phrase to his grown daughter and his grown son, when they're worried about something or they're all um, concerned, is he says, will it matter in 100 years? And of course they hate that because they really are worried and concerned. And their dad always goes, but will it matter in 100 years? They're like, dad, it matters now. He's like, yeah, but will it matter in 100 years? And I thought, you know, I'd really like a t-shirt that said, will it matter in 100 years? You know what I think is the only thing that will matter in 100 years, in 200 years, in 4,000 years, in 5 billion years, and beyond we can even count, because eternity is beyond we can count. It is if I have loved people. That's what's going to matter. And the greatest thing about God is he says, you know what, I know you're human. I know you've got things on that earth that you need and and things on that earth that you want beyond your needs. And if you just love people and you seek me and you seek my word and you want my heart to beat in your heart, I'll take care of those things. Matter of fact, I'll give you exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or hope or think. That's what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Love people. Isn't that easy? So easy. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for broken wheels on pumpkins. 
we bless the kids at the popular table. And we bless the kids at the not-so-popular table. And we bless the kids that sit alone. Father, I bless the people that have great influence. And I bless the people at our gates that are hard to love. More than anything else, Lord, please help us to love people. And I just want to thank you tonight, Father, for an excitement to do so. Father, I thank you that when your word comes, it brings freedom and it brings excitement instead of a heaviness and a despair. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, just as I was able to forgive myself for being ashamed of somebody that had loved me so dearly, just, so, just, just like I was able to forgive myself so often for unconsciously paying more attention to somebody who had more power or favor. I just ask for your power for every single person in this room to receive your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness, Lord, for putting our schedules before the little child who needs their shoe tied, for putting our busyness before the person who really needs to talk. But they just talk and talk and talk and talk. God, I know that you want us to have healthy boundaries. But I also know that you've put people at our gate to love. And when we stay within your boundary of love, we're safe. I just thank you for this time. I thank you for goodness and mercy and your loving kindness. And that you care so much for people that you sent your only son to die for people like me, like us. We were at your gate. And you've opened that gate wide and said, come on in. Thank you for loving us, for we were at your gate. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.